What does the Lone Ranger say when he takes out the garbage? To the dump, to the dump, to the dump, dump, dump. <laughs> I know that was really cheesy, but funny. <laughs> and you're welcome in advance for getting that tune stuck in your head for the next while. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 96 of Starting Sustainability, hosted by yours truly, Kaylin Chenoweth. It is currently 5 a.m. on a Friday morning. Why did I get up so early? Well, because I normally record and edit and do the track layerings and everything, I do all that during my lunch breaks, but we have been reopening all of our cafes and there are six of them and it is all hands on deck all the time and I am really exhausted, but it means that I'm giving up my lunches because I work in a cafe. <laughs> so the busiest time of the day is during lunch. So I'm just lucky to get a quick bite to eat to get me through the day sometimes which has left me to record at 5 a.m. because that's when my children are quiet so I can get some recordings done. So it's been a whirlwind. Um, there are only two cafes left. Thank goodness. I've only got a few more weeks of this. We've been opening them every other week. So I've got two more weeks of reopening the cafes and then hopefully things will calm down at work and I can resume a normal schedule. But I'm not here to talk about work. <laughs> Even though it's like spilling into my work-life balance is kaput. <laughs> it's all work. Very little life. Definitely no balance. But let's go ahead and catch up. This past weekend for me was Labor Day. <laughs> Even though it's Friday. So it's been like a whole week since Labor Day. But normally I record this on Monday. <laughs> right? But anyways, we what did I do for this Labor Day weekend? We did quite a bit. We had a nice family adventure to the farmer's market on Saturday. There's only a few of those left in the season. I think the last one is the last Saturday. I thought it was after Labor Day, but they said, nope, there's a few more. So that's awesome. <laughs> and I got the whole family. Like my husband went too and had a pretty good time. Then on Sunday, we spent the afternoon at the park. So that was really cool. My Our neighbor took my husband to go play disc golf, which he's neither of us had ever actually played that. I've seen it. But never actually played it so he went and played disc golf and then I took the kids to the playground and we hung out there while I was there at the park I had downloaded an app to my phone that identifies plants it's called plant net kind of like planet but there's an extra T in there to make it plant net <laughs> so that was kind of cool and I got to take pictures of the plants that were growing by there was like a nearby wildflower area so I was taking pictures of them and got to identify them and taught my three-year-old about the plants the one and a half year old was intrigued and then just tore them up and ate them so I guess he really wasn't all that intrigued <laughs> and then on Monday we went hiking and it dawned on us, we used to go hiking all the time. Like probably two to three times a month, we would take the dogs and go for a hike. There's a lot of beautiful nature areas all around us. And this was the first time since my youngest was born. It was over a year and a half ago. How crazy is that? <laughs> and so we learned a lot about hiking with a three-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old. The one-and-a-half-year-old goes in the little backpack carrier, but then his face is about three inches from my eardrum and he was excited to go hiking which I'm glad about but he was just very shrill with his excitement and so about halfway through I was like this really isn't that fun because I'm going deaf in my right ear because <laughs> just keeps leaning over and screaming with excitement 
And he found my ponytail to be quite entertaining and kept yanking on that too. And then the three-year-old found a stick and was like, I'm a pirate and took the stick and was pretending it was a sword and had to whack every single rock and tree root and tree stump. (laughs) Our hike, that was only a mile and a half that should have taken maybe an hour, hour and a half to do, took us about a good two and a half hours because we had to go a at a significantly much slower pace. (laughs) So we are learning when it comes to parenting. (laughs) Things are very different when you have a child compared to when you don't. And they're significantly more different when you have multiple children compared to (laughs) when you didn't. But all is good. Also at some point over the weekend, I don't know if it was Friday night or Saturday night, it was one evening where I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw an ad for a foraging class. And I was very, very excited about it. And so I signed up for this free foraging class and it's by the Black Forager. And I shared it to the Starting Sustainability Facebook group. It was like, hey, if anybody else is interested, I found a foraging class and it's free. So I'm doubly excited. And then a bunch of people commented, oh yeah, she's so great. I love her. I've been following her videos. She's got TikTok and Instagram and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, dang, somehow I just now found out about her. So... (laughs) (laughs) I guess I missed the boat on that one, but hey, you still have time to take your class. It is on September 25th, which is a Saturday. So you still have time to sign up if you want to do that. You can go back into the Facebook group and just search for foraging, foraging class, and it should pull it up. Let me give you an update on my tomato plant travesty. So refresher in case you missed it, the youngest kid (laughs) picked all of my tomatoes a week ago, all of them. You know, like the two that were red plus the six or so that were green and not even close to being red. So I posted up on the Facebook group and again, they came to the rescue and they said, put them in a brown paper bag with a banana. And I did. And I took pictures every single day to document the progress. And it took about an entire week, but each day by day, another tomato would start turning red and then be fully red. And I pulled out of the bag and the next one would start turning red and I pulled out of the bag. So a week later, all of them had finally turned red. I'm so excited that that worked. That was really cool. I only had one banana, so it was in there the entire week and it was pretty darn brown by the end and I didn't know what to do with it. So we made a smoothie with it. Added in some frozen blueberries, juice, and yogurt, and my three-year-old loves to help me make smoothies and push the button (laughs) that starts up the blender. (laughs) That's his favorite part. And yes, I'm going to give you another garden update because... (laughs) I'm new to it, so I'm still really excited about it and I'm learning. (laughs) But our fall garden is actually doing surprisingly well. It's only been a few weeks and we've only lost two plants so far from the kids helping, and I say that with quotes around it, (laughs) helping me water it because they like to climb inside of it and walk around and stomp on all the plants while they're helping me water. It is a miracle we've only had two casualties at this point. Also in my garden, another loofah popped up. So I now have five total loofah vegetables growing on the vine. (laughs) How cool is that? They're all very green still and super large, almost three feet long. It's ridiculous. Oh, one more parenting story because it's too good to not share. One day this past week, I came home and normally my husband's very good at having dinner ready, but he was on the phone. So he was answering his phone call. It was his work phone. He was outside on the phone. I put the kids outside so that he could watch them in the backyard while he was on the phone and I could get going on dinner because there's a time crunch. Kids don't know how to wait. (laughs) Dinner's at six. It's at six or they start howling. Anyways, he's out there on the phone and the older one comes in. The three-year-old comes in and he wants to help. And that's fine. So he's helping me cook dinner. The younger one is out there. I'm like, cool. I've got the older one. He's got the younger one. All is good. A few minutes later, my husband comes in and he's holding the little one 
with his hands underneath of the little guy's armpits and his arms are straight out in front of him. Like he's holding him up, but away from him as far as possible. And he comes in (laughs) and the little one's just laughing and giggling. And my husband's like, please help. I'm like, why? What happened? And he's like, look what this kid got into. Like he's got this brown, gooey, muddy substance all over his hands, all the way up to his elbows and his feet. And then I go, oh, (laughs) fresh dog poop. I find it hilarious. My husband, not so much at that moment in time. I said, well, boy, it was a good thing you're out there watching him, huh? (laughs) Also not the right time to say that. But together, we cleaned him up. He held him over the sink and I soaped him down and sprayed him off with the little sprayer attachment to the sink and we cleaned him up. But it was just a, a really ridiculous parenting moment that we will never, ever forget. And speaking of my husband, Mr. Anti-Sustainability, he is an electrician, if you don't know that, and he had a whole bunch of old light bulbs that he had done from a previous office job. It's the tube type of light bulbs. I don't know what the official name is, but you see him like an office building, so it's a big long tube of a light bulb. Anyways, he did the job and he had all these light bulbs in the back of his van, in his work van, and he was talking to a coworker of his, and he's like, what should I do with all these light bulbs? And the co-worker said, oh, you should give them to me and I will donate them to Deathmatch Wrestling. I was like, what? Apparently that's a thing here in Indiana where you can give them your old light bulbs. If you know what WWE is or AEW, then this is the underground knockoff version, like the starter level of fighting. And then they work their way up to become a professional. This is where they're at. You can donate the light bulbs to them and then they will smash them over each other's head and back during a wrestling match. So my husband was so excited that he was that he was doing something so sustainable and had to tell me all about it. I was like, okay. <laughs> There's a hundred things going through my head right now, but hey, thanks for giving the light bulbs one extra purpose before they go to the landfill. Good for you, honey. Thank you. He was quite proud of himself. And now would be a good time to mention that he's a huge WWE and AEW fan. Special announcement time. It is currently episode 96 and for episode 100, we are going to do another fun round of trivia. If you are interested in participating... And yes, it's going to have a similar layout as we did in episode 50, where we'll play in teams. So that kind of helps take the pressure off. And if you've been listening, you'll know all of the answers already. And it's mostly going to focus on episodes 50 to now. If you're like me and games and trivia and all fun things are right up your alley, then go ahead and reach out to me. I did put a post up on the Facebook group. Go ahead and comment and respond to that post, or you can just reach out to me directly via the Facebook group. You can just send me a little DM. If you're not comfortable doing that or you're not on the Facebook group yet, which I highly recommend that you do, the Facebook group is called Starting Sustainability, by the way, if you didn't know. (laughs) Or you can also just email me directly. My email is K-A-Y-L-I-N at startingsustainability.com. Okay, we are all caught up, all special announcements are made, and now we can dive deep into the nitty-gritty of additional problems with landfills. This is a continuation from episode 82, which was titled The Problem with Landfills. (laughs) 
First, here's a little refresher. Like I mentioned in episode 82, according to the EPA, Americans generate over 250 million tons of trash every year. Right now, most of that trash doesn't get recycled or composted. Instead, it ends up in landfills and incinerators. Landfills are not designed to allow organic matter like food, wood, etc. <laughs> to break down. They are designed to bury trash. There are some anaerobic microbes. They can, they're the kind that can live without oxygen. And those anaerobic microbes, they break down some bits and pieces of the trash. And the result is that they produce methane. So they can't break it down all the way. That's why it doesn't fully compost or biodegrade. It just does bits and pieces. And the result is methane. And landfills are the third largest human-related source of methane emissions in the U.S. What else is wrong with landfills? Yes, there is more bad news. The information I'm about to share with you comes from a couple of different websites, including communityactionworks.org and www.colorado.edu. In addition to the gigantic methane problem, another problem is all of the toxins found within the landfills. Due largely to lax governmental regulation on an ever-growing chemical industry, everyday products that are used and then thrown away contain more chemicals than ever before. When these products end up in landfills or incinerators, the toxins pollute the air we breathe and the water we drink. Landfills aren't safe largely because of the waste that goes into them is toxic. You may be thinking, but I don't throw away big gigantic barrels with a skull and crossbone picture on the front of them. No, I hope not. <laughs> but let's analyze what's truly going into the trash. More than 60,000 untested chemicals pervade the consumer products on our shelves and in our homes. That doesn't even include the large quantities of chemicals used in an industrial setting. COVID has been a thing for quite some time now. And do you remember back at the beginning and still actively going on? Everyone immediately went out and bought a whole bunch of chemical-covered cleaning wipes and started wiping down the counters and doorknobs and walls and floors and everything with all of those wipes. And then what did they do with them? They threw them in the trash. And all sorts of chemicals are mixing in that trash bag. And then when you combine one household with another household and another because you live in a neighborhood, all of those different cleaning products and chemicals are all mixing together. Let's take this moment to review some of the common cleaning chemicals and what happens when they get mixed together. The first is bleach and vinegar. Those combined create chlorine gas, which causes coughing, breathing problems, burning, and watery eyes. The next pairing is when you mix bleach and ammonia. That creates chloramine, which causes shortness of breath and chest pains. And a byproduct of mixing bleach and ammonia is phosgene gas, which is also known as mustard gas. You know, the kind used in chemical warfare. <laughs> Yikes. When bleach is mixed with rubbing alcohol, that equals chloroform, which is highly toxic. That is what's used in the movies when the bad guy holds up a rag to someone's face and they instantly pass out. That's chloroform. And the last bad pairing is hydrogen peroxide in vinegar. This makes parasitic slash peroxyacetic acid, which is highly corrosive. These chemicals are found in glass cleaner, floor cleaners, multi-surface cleaners, furniture polish, Lysol spray, toilet bowl cleaner, mildew stain remover, oven cleaner, drain cleaners, and so on and so forth. 
The reason I'm pointing all of this out is because even if you are more eco-focused and you're using homemade cleaners or all natural cleaners, some of those ingredients are found in the natural cleaner category, like rubbing alcohol and vinegar and hydrogen peroxide. I do get it. We still need to clean our house. We can't live in filth. We're just going to be more responsible in that when we clean, we're not just going to put it on a paper towel and then just throw it away into the trash where all the chemicals can mix together. We're going to use rags and wash them appropriately and use environmentally safe cleaning products as well. And it's not just the chemical cleaners that bring in all of the toxins into the landfill. That's a gigantic majority of it, but let's think about, there are so many other products out there that are chuck full of chemicals like cigarettes. Do you know what chemicals are in those? It's nuts. It's a super duper long list and I can't pronounce half of it. But what about medications? That is all chemicals. So if you're done with medications and you have some left over, they expire, we have to properly dispose of those. And just think what's lying around your house? Paints, did you paint a room? Did you properly dispose of that paint or did you just chuck it in the trash can? Dyes for clothing, that's for manufacturers who are making clothing and also if you're doing a tie-dyeing kit at home, adhesives of any kind, not to mention the amount of chemicals found in styrofoam and plastic and all of that is going to landfill. If it's not 100% natural, take a close look at it because there are most likely a bunch of chemicals in there somewhere. The point is many chemicals from everyday products end up in the landfill, making them super toxic environments. While landfills are required to have a plastic or clay lining by federal regulation, these liners tend to have leaks. And in 1988, that was 33 years ago, the EPA back then stated all landfills will eventually leak. That means the runoff from the landfills contains toxic chemicals from our waste. That liquid runoff is called leachate. As the leachate leaks down into the ground, it contaminates nearby water sources, further damaging ecosystems. Leachate can contain high levels of ammonia, and when ammonia makes its way into ecosystems, it produces nitrate. This nitrate can then cause eutrophication, or a lack of oxygen, in nearby water sources. Eutrophication creates dead zones where animals cannot survive due to a lack of oxygen. Along with ammonia, leachate contains toxins such as mercury due to the presence of hazardous materials in landfills. In addition to all the methane that the landfills give off that we talked about earlier, landfills also give off potentially harmful gases and odors that can permeate neighborhoods. These gases and odors are linked to birth defects and other serious health problems. Another concern with landfills is once they are closed, they are covered with dirt and many of them turned into facilities like the base for athletic fields, playgrounds, or parking lots. Post-closure uses such as these can lead to cracks in the cover and subsequent leakage. We are a growing population with increased trash and not enough space in the ground to bury it. An alternative way to dispose of trash is to incinerate it or burn it. And of course, there are additional problems with that too. <laughs> Incinerating our waste releases toxic chemicals such as lead and mercury and produces additional byproducts like dioxins. In turn, this process leads to respiratory issues and can be potentially carcinogenic. That means they can cause cancer. And incinerators don't eliminate the need for landfills. Incinerators produce toxic ash when the toxic chemicals and heavy metals in the waste concentrate at the bottom of the stack. And this highly concentrated toxic waste then has to be disposed of 
in a landfill. Another problem with incineration is that emissions are often released by, quote, tipping floors or the areas where the waste collects before it goes into the stack. This waste begins to decompose and releases toxic chemicals into the open air, threatening worker health and safety and impacting nearby neighborhoods. Incinerators are the most common practice of waste to energy or the process of generating energy through waste treatment. And you would think burning the trash and harvesting the energy would be a good alternative. However, the waste to energy is bad news yet again, as the process releases many pollutants like mercury, lead, arsenic, and carbon monoxide into the air that we breathe. Communities are then faced with health concerns like cancers, respiratory diseases, and birth defects. Not only is waste to energy harmful to the health of neighboring communities, but it is also expensive. Trash incinerators are the most expensive energy source. Gasification pyrolysis and plasma arc technologies are marketed by industry as a green method of waste management, but this is also not true. These facilities burn waste with little or no oxygen, making them very similar to traditional incinerators. Also, like incinerators, gasification facilities release toxic ash into the air that harms our health and environment. Gasification and pyrolysis are considered to be green because they allow energy to be produced from burning waste instead of fossil fuels. Burning waste, however, is not environmentally sound since toxins are still released into the air. There are safer energy alternatives that produce energy at lower prices like wind and water energy. Gasification diverts energy and resources away from cleaner energy sources and recycling efforts. Let's talk about the social impact. The quality of life is impacted by incinerators as communities are plagued by odors, air pollution, and increased truck traffic. Emissions from landfills pose a threat to the health of those who live and work around landfills. A study in New York found that there is a 12% increased risk of congenital malformations in children born to families that live within a mile of a hazardous waste landfill site. Minority and low-income areas are more likely to find themselves home to landfills and hazardous waste sites. These areas have fewer resources to oppose the placement of these facilities, and this makes them an easier target for a landfill placement than higher-income areas. These problems have been around for a long time and are not cleaned up yet. Why? Well, because the waste business has become a commercial, money-making venture, and industry lobbyists have worked to control the laws and regulations surrounding it. Regulations make it difficult for communities to effectively regulate waste management facilities and devote resources to recycling or waste reduction programs. Large corporations dominate all aspects of the market and benefit from operating landfills, incinerators, and recycling facilities. Since the waste management facilities have become big business, the corporations often put profit above the health of the communities they operate in. What is the solution? Avoid landfills. <laughs> but I understand that's not quite so easy, but we'll do the best that we can. That's why we started this sustainable journey, right? Our goal is to move towards zero waste as much as possible. The solution to waste rests in reducing the volume and toxicity of our garbage. Zero waste aims for the elimination of waste versus simply the management of waste. Waste is something cast off with little to no value, but many items individuals throw away have value to other people 
businesses, and communities. This is why we reduce, reuse, repair, repurpose, recycle. <laughs> reduce what we buy. If we buy less stuff, then there will be less trash. And if we reuse what we have instead of getting brand new, again, reduction in packaging and trash. Repair what we have. If something breaks, fix it instead of just buying another one. And repurpose. If you have extra t-shirts lying around the house, maybe they have stains or holes in them. If they are unfit for donations, then repurpose them into grocery bags, cleaning rags, making a homemade dog toy, etc. I'd also like to add in that you can send them to Amanda, our merchandise maker. And she is very talented and crafty and turn them into beautiful creations. Her address, get your pen and paper. <laughs> this would be Amanda and her address is 719 Chase Lake Road, and that is in Howell, Michigan. Howell is spelled H-O-W-E-L-L, -L, Michigan, and the zip code is 48855. And remember, the last R is recycling. Items like glass and aluminum can be recycled indefinitely, but others like paper and plastic do have a limit. But even recycling them two to three times kept that many out of the landfill. Donate the items that you no longer need. Join free cycle communities, buy nothing projects. There are so many outlets to get rid of the stuff that you no longer want without having to send it to the landfill. And of course, compost. <laughs> Landfills lack the oxygen that compostable items need to fully decompose. And by putting biodegradable items into the compost instead of the trash, huge amounts of waste can avoid the landfill. Zero waste is a goal, a process, and a vision that shifts how we think about and use resources. It is a whole system approach that targets a major change in the way materials flow through our economy. Zero waste is a bold approach to waste management that looks at both the front end, production and design, and the back end, reuse and reprocessing of material flow and solutions to connect the two. Zero waste centers around reducing needless consumption, minimizing waste, maximizing recycling, and incentivizing the manufacturing of products that can be intentionally reused, repaired, or recycled back into the marketplace. Do you remember the first time starting sustainability did a crossover with realistic sustainability way back in episode 56? I shared a story about a fugitive who was able to live near a landfill and lived off of the landfill for about three years in a little underground bunker. And while searching for that story, I did find two other really cool stories. <laughs> and I've always wanted to share them with you. And I think now is the most applicable time that I'm probably going to have. <laughs> the first is about a man who took a job as a garbage man or a sanitational engineer. And he was told that he was allowed to take home any of the items that he found in the dump because people obviously didn't want them. It's not really theft. <laughs> One day he was walking around and found a bunch of educational books, you know, like the textbooks, the really expensive kind, and they were in really nice condition. So he took them home. They were in subjects that he was intrigued about. And when he went home, he opened them up and started looking through them later on that evening and discovered there was a rare coin in one of them. Turned a couple of pages and there was another coin and turned a few more pages and another coin. And he went through the books and found a lot of coins in these books. 
And you betcha he went back the next day, found the exact same spot in the landfill, and grabbed the rest of the books. <laughs> and yes, there were more coins in those books. I don't know the amount that he got, but it was a really cool instance of one man's trash was definitely another man's treasure. Another story that I found absolutely hilarious, <laughs> so of course I'm going to share it with you, is about a man who worked at a landfill and was cold one day and found a box in the landfill that had a bunch of sweaters in it, and there was a very nice, well-knit blue sweater. So he put it on. It was in the box. Inside the box, it was really clean, nice condition. So he put it on, stayed warm, wore it home, and then he washed it and kept wearing it. And of course, after a while, his wife was like, hey, that's a landfill sweater. Let's not wear that <laughs> anymore. And so a few times she tried to get rid of it and he kept finding it. And then every time he would find it, he would, of course, wear it more often. She kept nagging at him and kept nagging at him. So in the end, he decided to please her and he gave it to his son-in-law. <laughs> Do you get the geniusness in that? He complied with his wife's demand and the son-in-law will now feel obligated to wear it often, especially when he comes over to visit. <laughs> that way the wife will still get to see it regularly. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed those stories. This was a very serious episode. And yes, landfills are absolutely terrible. There's a lot of bad stuff associated with landfills. But I wanted to end on a good note that sometimes you can find some pretty cool things in a landfill. It is near the end of the episode, which means it is time for the weekly challenge. Let me draw a card out here. It says, don't ignore leaky or dripping taps in your home. Be sure to get them fixed quickly to avoid water wastage. Wow, that should have belonged on last week's episode. <laughs> I draw these blind because I want to keep it a little bit more fun and mysterious and I want to be surprised too at the challenge, but that's hilarious. <laughs> so hopefully you've already been doing that one because it was from last week's episode. And if not, this is your motivation and your friendly reminder to double check all of the taps in your home. And if any of them are leaking or dripping, let's get them fixed right away. Come back next week to hear special guest Dawn Elming. Yes, she's my sister. She has been on before and she's making a comeback. She put together a sustainability unit at her elementary school and she shares the out-of-the-box thinking viewpoints of her students when it comes to sustainability. It has been wonderful, Sustainer Nation, as always. Continue to stay sustainable and I will talk to you again next week. Bye! There are so many wonderful people doing amazing things around the globe. If you want to hear more about what we're doing down under, jump on over to Unfuck Your Shopping Cart, a podcast who speaks to companies who have the eco thing down pat with some simple tips and hints on how you or your workplace can make small changes that can add up to a whole lot. Together, we can start a movement and make this planet a whole lot greener.